Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to thank all my subscribers and listeners that dedicate a little bit of time just to hear what I got to say. Thank you so much, but the struggle is real and it continues. Please spread awareness and do your part by making sure that you are subscribed and liking each of the episodes that you listen to. Share my episodes and, and spread awareness of my channel and what it is that I'm doing. These things, these little things right here is what helps me grow and helps sponsorship come my way as I am a struggling ex-con. I appreciate the support, the love, and thank you so much for tuning in. More to come. This episode has been brought to you by our friends over at CMB Law. If you find yourself in a tight spot and you need an attorney to trust, call Courtney over at CMB Law, 941-747-4440 or 941-725-9457. You can also visit her site at cmbjustice.com. CMBJustice.com Again, that's Courtney at CMB Law. Tell them that Thomas Free Me sent you from the Thomas Free Me podcast show. Good afternoon, partner. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> blessed, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed, man. Another week in the books, man. It's Friday, January 21st already. Yep. Yep. We're uh, we're going into a good time of year right now. There's a lot going on. Certainly excited. <laughs> excited. Share, share some of your excitement. What what um what's going you on? That's so exciting. I, I'm learning a lot about uh, about how numbers uh, just uh, it, it passes the the information just exponentially. We've uh, I've been at this for a long time. You know, just just with the same the same argument over and over and over again. And, and for so long, years, it, it didn't go anywhere. You know, it took it took probably three years before I got the first attorney to, to, to admit that I was that I was right with these plea bargains. And, uh, you know, even after that, I, I talked to thousands of attorneys and, you know, nobody wanted anything to do with this. But, you know, now, you know, we saw the ACLU just a couple of weeks ago come out with their uh, their report on this. That, that's uh, saying definitively that it's, that it's 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 illegal. It's a abuse of discretion it's abuse of power and, and and they didn't go as far as i do with with it being a crime but it's absolutely a crime you know and uh you know but i think that was one of the big problems that i had initially was that i was i was challenging the prosecutors and the judges and they they didn't like that that wasn't really my my intent but i just wanted them to understand that what they were doing was illegal so but uh you know i've been getting a lot of messages you know from from people that that i've never i've never talked to i've never seen they've never uh, sent me a message before and, and they've read my stuff and, uh, and it's given them some hope. You know, they got kids that are, or husbands that are in, in prison and uh, uh, they lost hope. And so to get these messages from them saying that, that they want to get on board, they want to know how they can, how they can help. Uh, uh, and their eyes are open and they're starting to see, you know, um, see how corrupt the system is and, and what, what actually happened. Cause that's the, that's the reality is, is that, you know, until you, until you know what, what's going on, you don't, you don't really know. I mean, in your heart, you know that there's something wrong. You know that it's not right. You know that some, but you can't quite put your finger on what it was. And and uh, I'm really really glad that uh, that it's happening now. You know, so with every single person that, that gets this information, you know, they go and they pass it off to ten people, and the numbers are going up fast, real fast. Well, that's the thing is is that you know leads into my next question. Like, how do we get attorneys to understand the atrocity? You know, how do we get them to understand the perniciousness behind? them going into their, their clients and offering pleas. You know, I spoke with an attorney 
uh, the other day about this. They had called me about um, some information because they have a, a federal client that that is um, on borderline or going to trial or pleading out, you know, and and this person is is scared of the repercussions that will happen to him when he goes into prison as far as cooperating and pleading out and such. Yeah. But but this attorney's really ignorance. Ignorance is a strong word, but it's that's what it is. It's just the ignorance of really what goes on the lack of truth of what really goes on inside of prison that these attorneys are, are trying to get their witnesses to cooperate because in their mind, all they're thinking about is getting this person the less amount of time that they can possibly get. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that either. I, I, you know, my experience personally, mine is that the lawyers that I've, that I've, that I've come across, they just don't care. They have no care whatsoever. You know, here in Washington state, they're actually incentivized for, uh, for the plea bargains. They, the, the, uh, the, the defense attorneys actually get uh, additional money for every plea bargain that they, that they put into, into practice. But the other thing is, is <clears throat> if we have a, a, an unconstitutional statute within Washington state's constitution, these attorneys that are here in, in Washington, the practicing here, they're barred under the, the Washington state bar association. So they're actually agents of the state of Washington. And the problem is, is we're not going to get any of them to admit to this. You know, they'd have to admit that their entire careers have been built upon a lie. You know, these judges that every single thing that they've done their entire career is a lie because you guys didn't follow the rules. You know, I, I, I've, I've said it many times. Like I didn't go through, through, um, adjective law. I didn't go through the law that, that a JD would go through, goes through. I went through substantive law. So, you know, I deal with, with what is or is not criminal behavior, you know, so I would be more on, on the prosecutor side. I would be a, a prosecutor's type of a degree, someone that determines whether or not a crime was even committed and, and then, uh, you know, the investigative part. So substantive just deals with the constitutionality of statutes and then it also what is or is not a crime, you know, what constitutes a crime. So, um, but the thing is, is like, you know, these are smart people here. And I'm thinking, you know, University of Washington and Gonzaga University, they've got good law schools. Why is it that, that as a law student doesn't come in there and when, when the professor says, well, yeah, but here in the state of Washington, we don't use the Fifth Amendment. I mean, why wouldn't they ask the question, why? Because that's the first question I had was, why? Why? A judge said so? Well, why? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, every, everybody knows that the Fifth Amendment, that they're protected by it, or everybody thinks that they are. So to, uh, to be told that you're not, or to have, you know, the Attorney General of Washington State outright respond in my, to, to my written allegation by saying the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply to the state of Washington, it blows me away. Because that's not something that anybody is aware of. So, you know, the reality is, is we're not going to get them to admit to it. That's why they're not helping me. That's why I'm doing this on my own is because. But is there because are there are attorneys out there that care about our Constitution. And there are attorneys out there that really want to uphold the Constitution and defend their, you know, their their clients. This I I I I. I agree with 100%. I know that there are prosecutors out there that have yeah. good intent, but it's the it, overwhelming power that, that, that overwhelms them. Yeah. This, how do we reach these people? How do so, we start getting unity to these people to, to let them understand? Again, we have the American city. It's just. <laughs> so, so the, the, the thing is, is, is I, I know that there's going to be good, good attorneys too. I haven't met them, but I know that they're, that they're going to be. But the thing is, is I have yet to see a single attorney step up and do the right thing and stand for the Constitution. Because the reality is, is that the Constitution says that you got to do this, right? I mean, 
the the grand jury if you if you were to read the uh, the the rules of civil procedure it it describes the process of, of the grand jury and it, it has to include the the defendant the accused has to but that's how we start out innocent until proven guilty is that you know two people before you can be held to answer for that capital or infamous crime you first must be treated as though you're innocent you should be given the opportunity to come in and confront that accusation it shouldn't be held in silence or or you know in the dark you know it shouldn't have hearsay evidence presented against you and it certainly shouldn't have representation of the state or or anyone else it should be simply an accuser in you you know the accused um but the thing is is that <clears throat> that's the only way that you're innocent until proven guilty if you start out as though you're innocent you know but if you start at the point when you're already charged with the crime or arranged for the crime you're you're beyond that point which is you know what we're getting to here but you know the way it's going to work is 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 you know as i continue to put this information out and people continue to read it you know there's no denying it i mean nobody 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 can deny it it's it's clear it's concise it's 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 rhetorical it doesn't even require a response and honestly i think that when i walk into that court i don't even think it's going to require i don't even think they're going to show up that day because what are they going to say you know what's going to be their, their excuse you know, yeah, we don't do the Fifth Amendment. We, we don't follow it. Well, great. States don't have the right to substitute their own alternative legislation for the provisions and guarantees of the Constitution. We know that. You know, the other part, because there's two questions that I'm asking the court, too. The first is, do states have the right to substitute their own alternative legislation for the provisions and guarantees of the Constitution? The answer is no. Great. So Article 1, Section 26 of Washington State Constitution, as well as the other nine states that don't have a, a grand jury. And then we'll deal with the procedure element later on. But those all thrown out immediately you know and uh so then the second question is is does the judicial branch have legal authority to alter amend or destroy the provisions and guarantees of the united states constitution the answer is no baron versus baltimore 1833 thrown out you know the and hans versus louisiana you know for uh, um for uh, qualified immunity thrown out they can't change it they don't have legal authority that that's that's the that's the the duty and responsibility of the people of the united states only according with the, to the constitution so you know the reality is is that the decision will be made by the court, right? The ultimate opinion will come from them. But the battle's fought in the opinion of the public. That's where we're fighting right now. That's the only thing that matters. We get the public on our side, which we will, because we're fighting for the nation. We're fighting for the Constitution. And, and the reality is, is that people think that I'm fighting for the prisoners. But the reality is, is that this grand jury issue, this is the one thing that protects the innocent from hasty malicious charges. This is the reason why so many innocent people go to prison. So I'm actually fighting for all those people that don't even know that they need to be fought for yet. All those people out there that don't even don't even realize that they're subject to. Well, that's well, that's what yeah. well, that's what I want to say before we get into um, breaking down the the Fourth Amendment is, Tanawa. I want to thank you personally as an American citizen who don't have the vast knowledge in the constitution that you have. And I want all of the listeners, and I probably speak for a lot of them because, you know, the, the, the one good thing is the, these episodes on the constitution that we've been doing is one of the most listened to on my podcast. So that, that is a, is great news for me. So I think I may be speaking for a lot of my listeners when I, when, when we say thank you for being the person that you are, because it is people, individuals like you all over our nation that is, 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 is keeping our constitution still relevant in the courts. You know what I mean? And making sure you're, you're watching the watchers, you know? Yeah. So for that, we, we appreciate people like you and you well, personally. I, I, I want to say that, um, that I really appreciate that. But, um, uh, if I were, if it were up to me, I would be home with my wife and my kids and, um, 
So it's not me doing it. I was given an opportunity. This is this is God. I'm here because He wants me to be here. If it were up to me, I'd be at home with my wife and kids. So that's 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 a selfish me, uh, to be honest with you. So I'm not a good guy. God's a good guy. He's got me here. I'm I'm willing to do this because because He needs me to. But honestly, He's the only reason why I'm why I'm here. Because uh, um, because if it were up to me. I, I would rather be with my wife and kids, and I got to be honest about that. You know? Well, no, we appreciate that, and and God's God's definitely wiser than we are, and He definitely yeah. knows where where to put soldiers at, and and how to yeah. and how to you know maneuver the life that He created. But what yeah. you just said is important, Tanawa, because how many American citizens are doing exactly what you just said, just sitting at home with their wife and kids where it's comfortable? But what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are, is our children going to have the same benefits in life that we have, that we can just sit down and not worry about anything and with our wife and kids? Are, so this is what we have to pay attention to now. And I'm sorry. You know, what I see going on around the world, man, is, is, is people fighting all over the world for their freedom, Tanawa. Yeah. People are fighting for their freedom all over the world, and it's starting to touch here in America. Yeah. And we've been turning as American citizens, we've been turning a blind eye, you know what I mean? Because we didn't want to lose these little comfortable luxuries that we have, but it's, it's at our doorstep. I don't know how to get American citizens to understand no more. Again, these people are coming through our communities with tanks. Yeah. It's on our doorstep. I think that, I think that at the end of the day, uh, we're going to be all right. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is that, is that God always, God, God the, the story always takes us right to the very end. You know, I mean, we are always staying on the brink, brink of destruction. And as long as we turn around, as long as we, you know, as long as we turn back to, 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 to what's ruling over us and have faith back in him again, have faith in our constitution of the United States, the laws that govern us, we return to that instead of the rule of man, we're going to be all right. We can save ourselves. And honestly, I don't think that there's any American that does not want to see America exists. I think that even the ones that are that are that are going against and destroying America, I don't think I don't think that they realize what they're doing. I don't think that these law enforcement officers realize, you know, how destructive and harmful to the people they actually their behavior actually is. We have to show that to them. That's how you destroy a narcissist. You know, when you have a narcissist that, that has no ability to, to to reflect and to see their own behavior, and they just simply lash out and project everything onto you. You can all you can do is mirror them. You know, you become a mirror, right? And the things that I'm writing. I'm simply writing what, what these guys think, right? I'm mirroring back to them because nobody nobody tells them how evil and awful they are, right? Nobody tells them that you guys are lying criminals. You guys are breaking the law every single day. You guys are putting innocent people away. I, I mean, nobody tells them how awful they are. But that's the only way that you can defeat them. You have to show them how truly terrible they are. And the only way you can do that is become a mirror of them, you know? And so, you know, it's not, it's not saying things that will hurt them. It's saying the truth, you know? I mean, just, just saying, this is the stuff that you're doing, guys. And once once they're able to internalize that, they, they, they'll see the truth. They'll feel it. It'll come into them. They'll start to think. It's 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 cognitive dissonance, you know. So, so you know, when they have a a um, a break between their beliefs and their and their actions or their morals and their actions, what they tend to do is they tend to ignore, you know, the the um, what what causes the stress. And in doing so, they don't have to reconcile their belief in the conflict with their with their actions. So when they're locking people up that are innocent, they just simply ignore it, right? They don't want to address it. They don't want to talk about it because that would cause them stress. It would, it would force them to have to feel bad for the things they do, right? So they haven't talked about these issues. They've been pushed to the side. Slavery and all the rest of this, 13th Amendment, mass incarceration, all that 
it's not talked about by these judges. They don't want to hear about it because it hurts them. So we got to talk about it. We got to tell them about it. We got to tell them about everything they're doing because that's what will destroy them. That will, that will eliminate this cognitive distance and it will require them to reconcile their actions with their beliefs. That, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand how you could have a little, a little child that grows up in America, benefits from America, right? And then becomes a cop and forgets all about America. It, it's, there's a brainwashing something somewhere. I know where it's at because, again, it's, it's my message. It's the same it's the same government training that they apply to, to COs. You know, it's the same thought process. It's the same training. It's to get us, it's to, get us to look at like we are less than. And it's just, I, I posted a video of, I want to get your comments on this, but there's a, there was a, a female officer, a New York PD female officer who snatched an American flag out of a, out of a person's hands threw yeah. it on the ground, stomped all over it. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, is that it's not America that's got the problems. It's not our, it's not our constitution that's got the problems. Right. You know, it's just like the, the court. The court is sovereign. I mean, the court can't do any wrong because, because the court can't do wrong because it's incapable of doing anything without the actions of the people. So, you know, it's not our country this to blame so when we start talking and bad-mouthing americans start bad-mouthing our country start bad-mouthing our flag and, you know that is not what we should be doing this is our country and we should be proud of our country it's us that needs to be be fixed we our country's not going to change because we believe in her it's, it's it's already changing you know i mean it's it's uh um it's gonna change because because we, we believe in it it's not gonna it's not gonna we're not gonna believe in it because it changes we're gonna do that be, beforehand so the thing is is we just this is our country. We got to stop. We got to stop bad mouthing it. We got to stop putting it down because you know everything that we get that's uh, our lives and sustenance. Our our whole life is is from this land, you know. And right. and uh, and if you think about it, I mean, well, it goes to the old saying. Talking, scripturally talking, you know, we're all given a land, right? It's our promised land. This is the land that God gave to us. This is where all of the the rejects, the the, the rebels, the the thrown away and cast away from the rest of society. This is where we're supposed to come to be able to live. And that's why we have so many different types of people. You know, I mean, you watch the, the Olympics on TV and, you know, China comes out and they all look Chinese and Mexico, they all look Spanish. But here in America, we got everything because this is where everybody goes when they don't have a home, when they don't have a land. We come here. That's what this place was designed to be is the, is the land where everybody can, can come and can find hope and can find a, a, their, their dream and everything else. This was this was God's land right here. And. You know, it's up to us to, to, to keep it that way because we can choose to live in heaven or we can choose to live in hell, but that's up to us. And, uh, and it all boils down to what it is we believe in. Do we believe in, in, in our laws? Do we have faith in, 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 in uh, truth and justice? And if so, then the way that justice is supposed to work is I have to believe in you to do the right thing. You have to believe in me to do the right thing. We have to believe in the judge to do the right thing. And then we all must have faith in the system to make the right decision. That's the only way that, that truth and justice can be ascertained here in America. We do not control the outcome of this of these of these uh, cases. It is up to the jury to make that decision. It's up to it's up to a group of people. And you know, I was talking with someone the other day about this that justice justice is not a function that's performed by sight. It's a function that's performed by the heart. And when I wrote that years ago, I really didn't understand what it was until now. But what that means is that you know. When I, when I talk about the things that, I, that, that I'm talking about and I say these things, these, the, the stuff that I'm writing, for some reason, it really connects to people, right? They, they feel it. Well, they feel it because I, I'm writing from the heart. You know, 
I went out and I had this, this, this wonderful privilege and opportunity to be able to get to know a whole bunch of people that I wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. I spent time with them. I learned what was hurting them. I learned what made them happy, what made them sad, what happened to them. All of their emotions I took on and I, and I came to understand what they're going through as a result of spending the time with them in prison and jail. And now I can speak for them because I can feel what they're feeling. You know, that means I'm speaking from the heart and it means that I'm touching someone else's heart. And that means that, that when you're telling the truth or when you're speaking the truth, it, it will touch everybody. So when you have a, a jury there, that jury, as long as they're listening to their heart, whoever's telling the truth is going to be found not guilty. They're going to be found the, the, not, the, not the party. But, but if they're not, then obviously there's going to be, there's going to be uh, issues with the, with the heart. These people aren't going to feel, it's not going to feel right. Or the liars are going to side with, the, with that individual because they're automatically going to side with the one that, 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 that they feel comfortable with. You know? So to tell you the truth, I think that the majority of people that are in prison are probably not the ones that were supposed to be there. That's what I, that's what I think. Well, there's no because, question uh, about that. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's very well said of, of everything, you know, all those points that you made. And, and again, I just want to stress the fact of all, you know, the, the little, the story times that we used to hear as kids, you know, and they used to tell us that, you know, one, one bird in the hand is, is better than two in the bush. You know, we have what we have right now. Yes, it, it may be, it may be broken. It may, may be manipulated, but it's all we have. And it's better than any place on the face of the planet, as as you just heard Tana Wall break down, this is the last place on earth that we can still go to and the land belongs to the people. That's it. You know, when when this is gone, where are you going to go that is not under government control, where they just allow you to have whatever amenities that they want you to have at that time? You know, so we either stand up again we understand we have pretty wives. We have, we have, you know, hunky husbands and, and cute dogs running around and, you know, but we just have to really start figuring out how we can come together. So going into the fourth amendment, the fourth amendment, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized so we're going into the most exciting part of the constitution now because this is what's affecting every one of us here and uh you know, the Barron versus Baltimore case of 1833, I know you guys have heard me talk about it. That's where the Supreme Court came out and said that the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments, it's only restriction against the federal government and not the states. Now, we know that that is absolutely incorrect. But even today, as of this moment, it is still standing Supreme Court precedent. Okay. Now, <clears throat> the thing is, is that what we're talking about here, we're now talking about the protections that a, that a person would have in a criminal procedure, right? In a, in a criminal proceeding. So of course, this is going to, to, to apply to the criminal proceedings because in Article 3, it says the trial of all crimes with the exception of impeachment shall be by jury and the trial shall occur in the state for which the crime is said to be committed. So obviously the founders had the intent to have the, uh, the, the, the adjudication of the crimes be done within the states. Therefore, to say that the uh, protections and privileges of, of uh, criminal defendants doesn't apply to states is absolutely ludicrous. But that's what we need to address. But this is, 
this is the most important stuff here. And, uh, um, you know, as far as understanding the process. So for years and years and years, with every single um, Supreme Court um, uh, um, justice and, and chief justice that comes into place, they all have their own, their own, their own, their own say of, of what uh, the due process is. I don't think that anybody ever has actually nailed down what due process is. And, and uh, you know, because to one, it, it would include, you know, a jury trial. To another, it doesn't. So they were never ever able to really lock down what it was. And, you know, we can see that even up until 2019, there was a case called Tim's versus Indiana in 2019. And that was dealing with the Eighth, the eighth Amendment, which was cruel and unusual punishment and excessive fines. So, you know, even in 2019, we're still working through what is the process? What is the due process? But more importantly, we still do not have the Fifth Amendment and the grand jury as the requirement of the states. And so as a result, not only do we have states that don't do it at all, contrary to the Constitution, but then we have the rest of the states that choose to not include the, the accused in the process. They're doing that because they don't have to have the grand jury anyway. So why not just do a, a, a mock, a, a, a um, well, let's 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 explain that a little bit for for the listeners that may have not caught the list the, the first one so when you say you know when you're talking about the grand jury and 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 not being able to what exactly break that process yeah. down yeah so well so once we get through this so the very first step here is going to be the investigation that's going to be the first step of the process so you'll get an allegation then investigate then the next step is that you have to determine probable cause now there's a case called beck versus uh ohio and in Beck versus Ohio, it said that um, said probable cause. Just one moment here. Uh, it said that probable cause may not be established simply by showing that the officer who made the challenge arrest or search subjectively believed that he had grounds for his action. If subjective good faith alone were the test, then the protection of the Fourth Amendment would evaporate. And the thing is, is that it's not up to just an officer to say, "I believe that I have sufficient probable cause to make this arrest." If if that were the case, then the protections of the Fourth Amendment, what we're about to talk about, they would evaporate and you would not be secure in your person's property in effect other than at the subjective discretion of the police. Right. That's the whole point in this is to is to have yourself elevated above just simple, you know, police coming in and, and, right. and whatever they want. So simple Beck perception Ohio, of, a, of a person. Yeah. yeah. Beck versus Ohio is, is very, very important. And uh, uh, but yeah, what they said was that if subjective good faith alone were the test. And the protection of the Fourth Amendment, it would evaporate and the people would be secure in their persons, properties, papers and effects at the discretion of the police. So we obviously didn't want that um, to be the case. So um, <clears throat> when we talk about discretion uh, or subjective, that's uh, that's just based upon the individual's perception. You know, so if that were the case, then this officer could come up with any reason whatsoever. He could come in your house anytime because his subjective good faith tells him that there's a gun in there or whatever. So. Um, we want to take it to a, to a different level. So once you deal with the investigation, you have sufficient evidence to be able to determine that, yes, I believe the crime has been committed. Then you take it to a neutral, unbiased third party. And that third party is not an agent of the state, right? Because remember, law enforcement is employed by the state. The judge is employed by the state. Prosecutors are employed by the state. And as a result, those, they're all working for the same, same master, the same entity. So they all have a conflict of interest. You need to go to a neutral and biased third party. That's what the grand jury is for. It's 16 to 23 individuals that, that are impaneled for doing nothing but determining whether or not there's sufficient probable cause to determine that, yes, more than likely a crime has been committed, and they will thereby hand down a bill of indictment once they found that there's sufficient um, um, 
uh, evidence of a crime. Well, who uh, are these that, people? Are these people attorneys and, and, and such of themselves? Nope. Nope. They're just they're just normal jurors. So they get impaneled for a certain period of time. You know, it can be anywhere from six to six months, to 18 months. It's a long period of time. But that's all that they do. They only do just grand juries alone. Um, and, and so, you know, the process is it's a little bit different than your pettit jury. Your pettit jury is going to be, you know, what you'll, what you'll come in and you'll, um, and you'll present to, um, to, uh, to determine guilt, but it's a two-part process. And if you were to read Blackstone, it talks about the two-part process that, that protects the individual from, uh, from, um, or prevents the innocent from, from suffering. And so absent one of these two, you know, we, we wind up having a lot of people that, that are uh, punished without, without justification cause. But, um, these are just normal people. They're just normal uh, jurors. They'll be impaneled, and the, their sole purpose will be to uh, to hand down indictments to determine whether or not there's sufficient probable cause to to determine whether or not a crime has been committed. Absent this, uh, the grand jury, then what you have is you just simply have prosecutors who works for the state that says, "Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the side of this this person who's accusing someone of a crime. So I'm only going to take half the story, and then I'm going to accept that as truth." And I'm going to charge this individual based upon this information that I took that I got. And I'm charging based upon that information. And once I do that, then of course that information becomes truth because it's it's not challenged. It's not. And once again, if I have a Sixth Amendment right to be able to confront my accuser, how can I put that information on the stand and cross-examine it? So when we use information, um, you can't win. It's impossible because you don't have the opportunity to be able to confront your accuser. So uh, Title 18. USC 555 defines the use of information. So there's three ways that you can charge an individual with a crime. First off is information, but according to 555, that can only be done for other than infamous crimes. So only misdemeanors. Now, the next one would be uh, indictment, right? And that would be uh, under Title 18 USC 4083. And that would be any crime punishable by more than one year imprisonment in a penitentiary, right? So as long as it's more than one year, year and a day, it is an infamous crime. Um, and there's also a case, it's uh, um, um, United States versus Coachman, and what it says is it's not the amount of time that you can be sentenced to, but the, or that you get sentenced to, but rather the amount of time that you can be sentenced to. So if you only get sentenced to six months, but you could have gotten five years, it still is an infamous crime. Okay, so it's the amount of time that you can be sentenced to, not just the amount of time that you get sentenced to. And then the other one is a presentment. <clears throat> and a presentment's kind of interesting because with an indictment, what you do is you actually hand them the, the information. You hand them the bill and you say, these are the crimes that I believe were committed. And then they'll validate those. They'll, they'll determine, yes, I found that there's sufficient cause for these crimes to be committed. A presentment's a little bit different. That is the investiga investigatory body. So what you would do is you would present them with information or, or the, or the, or the uh, information from the accused and the accuser. And then they would go out and they would start collecting information. If they want additional witnesses, they would call them. And so they would act as this investigative body to kind of determine, you know, what actually happened. So. Uh, rather than giving them the, um, um, you know, the specific crimes that you want, you'll actually employ them as an investigative body to, um, to, uh, to, to do a much, a much broader investigation. Um, and I think that that's probably what we're going to be seeing here really soon on some of these, uh, some of this stuff that's, that's coming down the, um, down the pike. But um, <clears throat> so the due process, let me, let me just say that, you know, one of the problems, probably the biggest problem that, that we have with our system is, that we believe that it's a business, right? And when we believe it's a business, then that means that it's it's it has certain things. It has to generate revenue. It has to you know it has to make money and and has to be part of the economy. And therefore, it's 
it's essential to the health and well-being of the United States. I mean, those are the thoughts that, that goes through our mind. And, and in doing so, you know, we, we get attached to this and we think that this is necessary, but this is not necessary. You know, we shouldn't be locking people up simply because we have, you know, contracts for X amount of beds or whatever. I mean, it should not be based upon a business model. This is not a business. Government is not a business. Justice is absolutely not a business because if we treat it as though it's a business, then we're going to start making these business decisions. We're going to start making laws. They're going to be focused on generating revenue at the expense of the citizenry. And, uh, and we're going to start, you know, doing things that are, that are not in the best interest of society. And so we've got the first thing, we've got to get away from this thought of, of just being a business, right? The, um, the prison industry is not an industry, right? It is, it, it is, that's not what it is. Um, and so if we can get away from the thought of a business, then we can, then we can start actually, you know, maybe, uh, fixing this and well I, I, yeah well well man i don't think it's a thought anymore tana while this thing is a, is an actual working mechanism i mean the judges have stakes they they have stocks in yeah. in in you know uh public entities that you know deal with nothing but prisons you know yep. um there's there's incentives you know prosecutors cops there's just everything to incentivize sending people to prison so it's this is a full-scale operational industry that has been set in stone and been working for a hundred years. Yep. Well, then, uh, then the only thing that I can say is there's a there's an old philosopher named uh, Peter Parker, and he once said he said that um, any any government seeking to um, correct gross injustices and move to liberal um, liberal standing. It must be quick and decisive in its action. If it dithers, it will fail. Um, we, we don't need to talk about this. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to to, to dilly dally around. Um, we don't need this to go into into the the House and Congress so that they can talk about it. We need to just make this happen, okay? And there's ways that this can happen. That Barron versus Baltimore case from 1833 is unconstitutional. There's no denying it. And as of today, it is still standing Supreme Court precedent. Wait, Chief Justice Wait went around the 14th Amendment. What was specifically stated on the floor of Congress the day that it was introduced, he went around that, completely disregarded it, and grabbed it again. Even though the 14th Amendment was put into place to technically overrule that that case. As stated on, on as the intent of the of the law, he went around and brought it back into place. And as of today, it is still standing Supreme Court president, right? That was in that was in seven or in eighteen seventy five, right? Why is it now two thousand and twenty two, and we still do not have all of the privileges and immunities secured by enumerated in the Bill of Rights, right? That is an unconstitutional ruling. And the way that you deal with unconstitutionality of statutes, which would mean that the way that you would deal with an unconstitutional ruling is that it's not unconstitutional from the day that it's deemed such, but rather from the day that it was made as though it wasn't even made at all. Right. It was always unconstitutional. We were right. always entitled to the privileges and immunities of the United States Constitution, and that includes any part of it. And so the day that we enacted and ratified the Bill of Rights on, on December 15, 1791, from that moment forward, every single United States citizen, no matter where within the jurisdiction of the United States they choose to reside, are entitled to every single right secured by enumerated in the, the Bill of Rights. That is a fact. We all know that. There's no denying that. They won't argue that, right? But they put into place this ruling, and they've been ignoring it, right? This Baron versus Baltimore. I, I want to do an episode. We're going to do an episode specifically on Barron versus Baltimore. So the people, because you've yeah. been, you've, you've, you've said that in almost every episode. And I really want the people to understand yeah. that, that case. We, 
so my whole point, and I'll, I'll, I'll end it here, but my whole point is, is that when the Supreme Court of the United States being the highest court in the land, and they make decisions that affect every single court below it, which is every single court within within the United States, within the jurisdiction of the United States, when they make an unconstitutional ruling, that means that every single judgment or every single action that, or every single case that derives from that is going to also be unconstitutional. If the root is bad, then the fruit can't be good, right? I mean, right. we know that the Bible says if the tree is bad, then then you can't produce uh, good fruit, right? If the root is bad, if Barron versus Baltimore tells every single court across the United States that you cannot give the Bill of Rights to them, and even to this day, the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply to anyone across the United States, guess what? Every single criminal judgment ever since 1833 is unconstitutional and illegal, period. It's their fault, not ours, all right? Let's not, let's not dilly-dally around. Let's, I mean... This is true. This can happen. It's real. They put it into place. The evidence is there. And, and you know what? It, it is what it is. God says. Well, well this is this is what we deal with. I mean, okay, so you're talking about you're talking about this on a grand scale. These people won't even let Tumujin Kinsu and, and others that are innocent with, with facts, these same facts. They won't even let one person out of prison. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh I, I maybe I got a little bit bigger, a uh, little bit bigger appetite, but as far as I'm concerned. Everything I've seen, everything, everything that I experienced within there, it's not just, you know, these guys are, are, are committing more crimes every single day than anybody that they're locking up. You know, we've got we've got these criminals that are leading us in our in our in our in our politics. You know, that it's like criminals are leading the, uh, criminals into uh, into criminality. I mean, we're going the wrong direction. I mean, you know, before we start holding the people accountable for their crimes, let's hold them accountable first, you know. No I mean, if, if you got an adult and the adult is committing a crime, are you going to go after the kid first or the adult? Of course, you're going to go after the adult. Why aren't we dealing with the leadership? If the leadership are criminals, then get the criminals out of there, and then we can deal with the people. Because well, because like we're scared. Know. We're scared, T. We don't know. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We're we're divided into this 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 left right mentality. You know what I mean? We're voting on people. We have no idea who they are, what they represent, only what their fat mouths are saying up on a stage, you know, but it's a Democratic Party. It's a Republican Party. So uh, how do we stop this crazy hamster wheel, man? All of those, all of those are, are the diversions that simply point us in a different direction. We're allowing them to do it. You see, if we just realize, once again, if we just realize that this is our country, these are our laws, right? And what's going on all across the country right now, there's not very many people that aren't affected by these deprivations, right? I mean, between the, the election and, and people feeling as though they, uh, they, they illegally uh, tampered with the election, great, let's get, the, let's get that dealt with, right? I mean, everybody has had some sort of right uh, deprived. And that's why the very last thing that, that the letter of introduction says, it says that, that when freedom is robbed from those who are free, truly, I tell you that everyone pays for it, whether they realize it or not, right? God is affecting everybody right now. He's showing everybody what it's like to have to, to have your freedoms taken away, right? Because if you want to take it away from these guys, well, let's just go ahead and share in the experience because that's what this is about, is that we are all experiencing something that we've never experienced before. And if you want to experience what, it, what it's like to have your freedom taken from you, or you want to experience what it's like to be isolated at your house so that you can share in some of the experience from the, the people that are that are in prison, well, I mean, that's that's kind of what God's doing, you know? Because we can't have a reality unless we have the, the experience, right? We need to share in the experience. We need to understand. So the, the thing is, is that I think that we're a lot closer to unity than, than you might think. I don't think that, I don't think that they're a danger because at the end of the day, um, you know, the destruction of the country 
they all know it. There's a very, very small portion of the population that, uh, uh, that I think would be destructive. And uh, we shouldn't worry about them because if what we're talking about is preserving America and protecting the people of America uh, and preserving the, the, the laws of the United States and everyone's rights, um, that's, I, I wouldn't want to argue anything else. So, you know, and if that, uh, if that cost me in my life, then so be it. But, um, but that's the, that's the best fight I can, I can be in. So, um, so, you know, reading, reading off the fourth amendment, how are we seeing our fourth amendment rights, um, outside of the court, outside of what's going on, but how are we seeing these rights violated in our communities every day? So, um, there's one other thing that I wanted to read real quick, and that yeah, is, um, do. yeah. So I wrote this as, as part of my original submission to, um, to the district court on my written allegation, but the word constitute, which is the root word for our constitution, it means to bring together, to set up in harmony in a political, and it derives from Latin, which means to place together. By definition, it implies agreement and a harmony, a willingness to comply with certain social and communal values. So what happens when that harmony is disturbed? Well, according to the evolution of a constitution, advancement or progression of the relationship, which are laws that occurs through suffrage rights, which is voting. But voting is a function of the constituency and not the individual. Advancement does not occur arbitrarily. It is the result of majority opinion as to prevent a loss of harmony. Individual authority to violate that which has been constituted is neither granted nor implied as such authorization would be detrimental to the sustainability and stability of such a constitution. We cannot allow individual infringement upon majorities and agreed upon code of conduct. Such behavior is contrary to the intended goal of a constitution, which is to provide true liberty and freedom to the constituents that are governed by the societal relationships established by the majority. True freedom exists only in the absence of power. Power is the mechanism utilized to remove or limit liberty. Therefore, my freedom is robbed when your powers are exercised. That's why constitution's primary purpose is to establish rights but limit powers, as this is the basis for any country claiming to be free. <clears throat> we are entitled to life, liberty, and our property. Those are, those are the three fundamental freedom. So there's a little bit of a difference between a right and a freedom to use that right. So our freedoms are life, liberty, and property. Our rights are something a little bit different, but, but nonetheless, we have the freedom of liberty and we have the freedom of this, this, this property. We want to know that, that whatever, whatever it is that we earn in our lifetime, that we're going to be able to have that. It's not going to be taken from us. We want to know that that we'll be secure in, in our livelihood and, and secure in our future and secure in our retirement. And, you know, that's what this is all about is that, is that, you know, all through history, you know, the tyrants have come and they've taken away all the assets of, of, of the people, you know? And so once we start to get successful, they'll come in and they'll just start taking away everything we got. And, and we don't want that. So we want to make sure that we're, that we're secure and, uh, and that our assets are secure and that government is responsible for making sure that they're protected. So the thing is, is that, when we're talking about these these rights, um, we have to remember that, just like this says, that that we are coming together in harmony, the whole nation, fifty states into one, and uh, and that means that 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 the laws they don't get changed by judges, they don't get changed by individuals, they get changed by the majority. We got to vote on it, we got to put it into place. So, you know, <clears throat> when we talk about securing the, the uh, our, our houses and and um, and our property. I think that, that law enforcement, uh, there's some incentives that are in place that, um, that, that, that put them into a position where they want to do it. You know, look at these drug laws and the, and the, um, uh, the ability for, for law enforcement to, um, uh, to take away 
you know, money that, that they believe is being used for, for drugs or houses that they believe have, have been used in, you know, these are bad policies, terrible policies, because it actually, it actually uh, minimizes or reduces the, the um, uh, law enforcement's uh, value of, of personal property, you know, as soon as they start taking away and, and they realize how much money they can make and products that they can, that they can purchase from it, it, it causes this to just, to just be nothing. It, it waters it down and, and, and eliminates the value. You know, there's most, no reason. What, just, yes, just to, just to add this in just a quick, a quick, uh, hot note. Most people probably don't know, but a federal informant, somebody that cooperates and, and agrees to snitch with the government, whatever, any, any, um, Anybody that they turn in, these people are subjected up to 20, they're allowed up to 20% of what is confiscated out of who they, they turned in. So, so, so those informants, and I have a big problem with these guys because, because they say that they're, that they're, that they're accusers, that they're normal people. But the moment that you pay them, they're now working for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so whatever they do, they're still an agent of the state. The moment that the government pays them to go out and sell drugs or to do whatever they're going to do to entrap, that is the government paying for the entrapment. And, <laughs> and, and, and in that agreement that you're signing, which we're calling, you know, uh, plea deals, that this contract that you signed to cooperate with the government, it, you're, you're, again, you're subjected to be called at any time. You know, you are, uh, as you say, you're an agent. And yeah. when they call you, it doesn't matter if 20 years from now, but they can hold this, this contract to you because you put your name on it and, and it's extortion because they can come to your house and tell you, let's go load up. We need you. Right. So a witness is supposed to testify freely, fully, and truthfully to any matter pending before the court. Freely is not done when you're a paid informant. You do not give free information. You do not give free testimony. Therefore, informants are not, they're not valid. They're not legal. They're, they're an agent of the state. You're not giving freely, fully and truthfully the, the witness testimony pending before the court. You know, um, there's a reason why the words are, are, are what they are. And, you know, if you, if you don't listen to the words, then, then you wind up having things like this. But, you know, the moment, the moment that, the, that the court goes or that the law enforcement go out and pay someone to actually sell the drugs, they say, well, that's not us doing it. It's them. No, it's the government itself that's creating the environment that's causing the, the crime, you know? And they'll say, well, yeah, but, but if we weren't doing it, someone else would do it. We don't know that. The only thing we do know is that, but for your criminal acts, there wouldn't be a criminal environment to, for these people to break the law. So how can you say that, that this inchoate crime, this incomplete crime, that's incomplete because you are not held accountable for your actions, you know, the government, then, you know, how are they, how are they, how are they prosecuting uh, the other side? You know, I mean, if we've got equal protection and, and the laws must be um, uh, equally applied, are not your crimes perpetrated against me, not equal to the allegations of the very same crimes perpetrated by me? You know, how can they say that, that my crimes can be held accountable when you have the exact same crime, but you say it doesn't matter. You're not going to, you're not going to deal with it because you're immune or you're, or you paid them or whatever. It, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an inchoate crime, but for your criminal acts, there is no criminal act. And that's what I'm saying when I, when I, when I say that, that, you know, I don't care. I, I, I don't care what, what they say. They're committing more crime than anyone out here that they're, that they're prosecuting. Well, this is why I say T free me podcast. We don't negotiate with terrorists partner, you know, because no. I understand that we are the boss 
And I don't have to talk to these people. These people have to talk to me. So again, it's just building power and unity and, and having a force behind me that makes these people understand that they have to come talk to me if they want voters. Yeah. You know? Well, so, so like the, the title 42, title 42 is, is, is the civil, um, uh, civil uh, statute that, that is really the backbone of the civil rights um, statutes. From there, you have the enforcement uh, uh, statutes, which would be Title 18, uh, 241, 240, 242. You know, so when you start to talk about the civil rights elements, um, Title 42, USC 1985, for instance, conspiracy to interfere with civil rights. Um, you know, a lot of people will say that, that, that the states or the government is immune from that. But you have to look at the history of this particular statute. That statute was written because government was depriving the people of, of, of civil rights. I mean, it was all because of the South. It was coming out of the, uh, out of the civil rights uh, um, a period of time that, that this, was, this was actually put into place to, to get the government accountable, to get the states accountable to comply with the Constitution of the United States. You know, the 19, uh, uh, the 241, the, uh, uh, the deprivation of rights under color of law, that was written four judges down in the Southern states after uh, Brown versus Board of Education when they overruled Plessy versus Ferguson and were requiring de the desegregation, but these judges in the South were refusing to do it. They wrote that law and wrote that statute specifically mm -hmm. for judges. So, you know, when we start talking about how this does, it doesn't apply to judges or it doesn't apply to prosecutors, just look at the history of the law, you know? Whoever it is that's telling you that, tell them that they're full of it because the law, the history of the law is that it does affect them, you know? So, <clears throat> we can't uh, we can't just continue to allow allow them to 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 tell us things that we know not to be true you know without us without us telling them that, that, that they're wrong you know we have the right to hold our government accountable for their actions that that's that's the beauty of of the republican form of government that's what that, that's what the whole premise behind america was was that we is that our our politicians our leaders are subject to the people they're accountable to us and we can recall them. We can pull them back at any point in time. We can remove them from office. You know, if we don't like their performance, that's up to us. You know, they're not, they're only immune because we allow them to be immune. We well, are, that's, we are, that's it. And, and they got the wool over our eyes long enough to feed enough of us felony convictions. Again, this is, this is what their agenda is because, again, by constitutional right, a felony conviction limits your, your, your capabilities until you, you have to apply to get your rights. But how many of us do that? I haven't so, even done that yet. You know what I mean? So here's the thing, right? And this is a great example of the deceptive nature of, of the system, right? When you become a felon, there's two main things that you lose, two main rights, okay? You lose your right to vote and you lose your right to, to bear arms, right? Mm -hmm. Those are two things that you automatically. Now, why would you lose those two rights specifically? Because there's two ways that you rise up, the oppressed rise up against the oppressor. One is democratically by vote. We don't get it. The other is militarily by guns. Okay. Don't think that those two rights that they took away from you as a felon, that those weren't intentional. That is a sick, intentional act in order to prevent us from being able to rise up against our oppressors. That's all that it is. Every single thing, every single part of this whole system has been built upon, has been built upon a slow takeover. I mean, it's all based upon a slave industry. This is a criminal enslavement system. It has nothing to do with justice. It has nothing to do with crime. This has everything to do with, about, with, with money. If you have a degree in, in, in adjective law, according to the 13th Amendment, that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist except as a punishment for crime, 
you become a criminal as a result of the adjudication process. That's what a JD is. It is a degree in enslavement. That's all it is. It's mm. all it is, you know? And, and these are things that, that we need to come to terms with. We need to realize because this system is destroying our country. When we spend $600 billion every single year on this system, that is one-sixth of our gross domestic product. One out of every $6 goes to this industry that isn't doing anyone any good except for them. This I want to I I find out, T, how, how can we audit this system? How can we truly find out where, as you just laid out, all of this money that we put into this system as taxpayers – we know the numbers as far as the profits. I mean, $2.2 billion, $2.2 billion would it be, is what families alone spend on incarceration. Yeah. You know, as far as phones and commissary and, and all of these things, that's a year. Where yeah. does that money go? Where does all the money go from the industry? So this is going into, I, I, I posted it, it's a, uh, it's, uh, it's a posting that I have out on Facebook. It's called Creating the Criminal Environment. And, uh, and it talks about it. I mean, the thing is, is that these politicians are making a fortune off of, off of this industry, right? They, they've got stocks invested in it. They're invested in the companies that are, that are selling products to it. Um, you know, there's all kinds of ways that they're, that they're getting it. But all this money is all for the benefit of the state, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers. I know some of the people, but... You would be surprised. It's presidents, vice presidents, senators, congressmen. You would be surprised how many judges, attorneys, all of them. And for, many, for the record, it just popped in my mind. You can go to Robinhood. You can go to StockExchange.com, whatever. Type in search GEO, the GEO group, G-E-O, the GEO group. That's one of the I think that stock here. I'll tell you right now where that stock's at. Matter of fact, let me. So, so what, what he's talking about is that is that. There's a couple of private prison corporations, uh, uh, the Prison Corporation or the Corrections Corporation of America, CCA, so on. These are these are private for-profit companies that build prisons and they're private prisons and they have contracts with the with the government, both, both state and federal, and they allow for prisoners to to come in. So their stock is actually traded on the New York Stock Exchange. You can buy stock off of our own uh, our own stock exchange in prisoners. You, you can invest in prisoners. So this is and the definition. This is the this is the definition off Robinhood for the Geo Group. The Geo Group Incorporated is a real estate investment trust who specializes in the ownership, lease, and management of correctional detention and reentry facilities. It operates through the following segments: U.S. Secure Services, Geo Care, International Services, and Facility Construction and Design. The U.S. Secure Services segment encompasses United States-based public-private partnership corrections and detention business. Business. Detention business. Yeah. The GeoCare segment consists of community-based services businesses, youth service businesses, and electronic monitoring and supervision service. The international services segment includes detention operations in South Africa, Australia and the United Kingdom. The facility construction and design segments contracts with states, local, federal agencies, and international agencies for the design and construction of prison buildings. Everybody, we have for-profit companies that are making billions of dollars off of enslaving the citizens of the United States. They're proposing uh, uh, legislation 
the, the, the three strikes are out is a great example. That was proposed by the, the, the uh, uh, Corrections Corporation of America. I mean, you know, these are, these are policies that are horrible, terrible, awful policies that are put into place to benefit a for-profit company. I mean, there's no denying that America has a long history of, of doing some very, very bad things, making bad decisions that are based upon money, finances. This is the thing, right? The strongest bond that holds our nation together is the faith in the laws between us. This is not the United States of California or the United States of Washington. I didn't serve my country in the military fighting for Texas or Alabama. I was defending America as I am now and as I will continue until such time as God or death has relieved me of this obligation and it's time for the courts to do the same. Absolutely. And, 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 and don't forget our president, our president of the United States in this moment right now is responsible for one of the most atrocious, inhumane criminal bills ever produced in human history. And he, and he preached during his whole election process that he was going to change it, how sorry he was about this bill. Nothing's been said since. No. Bill Clinton has came out and said how his mandatory minimum system was one of the, his worst decisions. Nothing has ever been faced. Our vice president is accountable for at least five deaths that i know about in california of innocent people that she yeah. withheld evidence yeah and let these people die listen if this if these this are our about, leaders if this were about justice then all those people that are sitting in prison right now on 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 marijuana charges would be let go if this were about if this were about what's what's good or what's right or what's wrong that's what that's what would happen right they wouldn't claim ex post facto and, oh, it was – no, they'd let him out because, because what's the point in keeping him there other than to generate revenue? We have to understand what the system is. That's all that it is. They only care about money. That's all that the system is, right? That's why we got to take it apart. That's why we got to let those people go because you know what? What we built here, what America is standing on, what America thinks is this great, wonderful system that keeps them safe and protects the public, it's destroying our country. It's killing our people. He's doing it at the expense of citizenry, right? No, no. This is the prostitution of our government in order to advance the selfish or financial interests of the few at the expense of the, of the majority. You guys are being robbed blind every single day because, because of this system and these people that want to, that, that want to advance their own, their own interests, their own selfish interests. And this creates a problem, T, because we got people in, the individ, you know, in, in our communities that have been raped, that have been beat, that have been murdered, yeah. that have been victimized by these people that we're sitting here now talking about yeah. need to come out. And, and of course, we, we, we listen, I'm the first proponent to say that there are individuals that do not need to be in society. Now, yeah. how they got to that position, again, is a different story. But in the current, they cannot be in society. We understand that. We understand that there are evil people out there. Yeah, there, there's evil people. But, but this weekend, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm holding the, the, the head of someone that's that's it's it's addicted to fentanyl you know and i'm trying to understand how this person is is they're, they're suffering and they're suffering at our own government's expense right because Amen. this person is just is just it's just nothing that gets thrown away but the reality is is that this person was molested as a child right and they're broken right and as a result of being broken they need to feel unbroken all right and they turn to something and yes it wasn't the right thing to turn to but they turn to something an artificial mechanism so they don't feel so broken anymore OK, it's not the drug that's the problem. It's the brokenness that's the problem. But the system, the system says, let's just get them addicted to this shit. Let's just do that. And so we can send them out to prison. Right. 
I, I think that these politicians ought to come down and start holding some of the heads of some of our people, you know, that they should have to come down and have to, uh, have to do this. Have hey, that's what DoorDash does. That's what DoorDash does, partner. DoorDash makes its CEO of the company get out once a month. Everybody that is affiliated with DoorDash gets out once a month and does deliveries because that puts them that puts them on the front line of dealing with their decisions and repercussions. And it it allows them to to form a better company at the front line's expense. But these politicians, what politician, you know, is going to sit there and hold a crackhead they, they or, or, they or hug a, a fentanyl? Come on, man. But that's the whole point, right? They don't care. The CIA that's, that's doing this, they've been doing this for, 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 for decades. And why aren't we doing something about it, you know? I mean, I, I'm disgusted that I, that I used to work for the, those. And, and this is what I tell addicts. This is what I tell addicts to you when I talk to them is, is yes, we, of course, do get off drugs for yourself. But sometimes that's not enough. You know what I mean? Because people really just don't even care about themselves because they feel like nobody cares about them. But at the end of the day, I tell them, listen, when you're doing these drugs and you're addicted, it's because these people wanted this. These people that are doing that to you, don't yeah. let them win. This is why there's there's this is why there's a, a a dope a dope hole on every corner in the poor neighborhoods. There's a casino on every corner. There's alcohol. There's guns. There's every possible solution for you to 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 go to when you're oppressed. Yeah. It's all in the poor neighborhoods. But this this friend of mine, I, I've known her for thirty years, right? And and and, and she uh. This just happened. I mean, it, it, it. She she ended up in a position where uh, where you know where she felt broken, and as a result, she she ended up doing this. And yes, it wasn't good to do it. But the thing is, is that is that she's suffering because of something that was done to her, right? That she was molested and assaulted, right? And so she's suffering the shame and everything else from that, right? And then what does she do? She turns this to this artificial mechanism to get to get her happy, right? And she believes the lie. Right. But nonetheless, she does it because she wants to not feel so sad. And what happens? Then the system says, oh, well, now you're doing that. Now you got to be ashamed of that. And now she's just thrown even further. She has no idea. I mean, she's so ashamed of herself that, that, you know, I don't know how she can come out of it. It's terrible because now she's actually suffering for what was done to her. She's 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 punishing herself for what someone else did to her years ago, because now she's made a decision that the system says, oh, you need to be ashamed of it. So her shame right now is literally the result of her being molested when she was a child. And this is and this is why I tell the, I tell these brothers and sisters, man, do not it ha, what what has been done has nothing to do with you personally. You have to understand that we have been made to make the choices that we make. We think right. that we're making choices, but again, it's like I say, it's it's when you turn on your TV and you're pushing your clicker right? You're sitting there pushing your clicker and you think that you have the choice of what you're watching, but all of these channels are owned by the same entity pushing the same agenda. So you think that by flipping the channel, you're getting different news, but it's the same message. This is why we'll come out and we'll say, man, I turned on every damn news channel. They all say the same thing because it's all from the same, the same voice. Yeah. And they're all, they're all, they're all pushing the same thing. And you guys, so the thing is, and this is what I've been trying to tell her and, and other people, the, the other people that I know and that I've associated with. And, and all through prison, I was trying to say the same thing to people. That, that The thing is, is, is that the life that you are living is not the life that you were meant to live. That's, what, that's the message that God wants to give to you, okay? The life that you're living is not the one that you were meant to live. At some point in time, 
Something happened to you that changed the trajectory of your life. And as a result, you're not living the life that God planned for you to live, right? It was done to you, right? So the decisions that, that, that you're making now, you would never be in the position to make those decisions had it not been for what was done to you. God wants to reconcile that back. He wants to bring everybody back to, back to square one. He wants everybody to have an opportunity for a new life. And we do that by reminding ourselves where happiness comes from. It doesn't come from a drug. It doesn't come from, from a relationship. It comes from love and the love that's inside of you. And that's the only, that's the only source of happiness. There's nothing love else. If we can remind ourselves that, then we don't need drugs. We don't, because once, once that love is removed from us, because that's ultimately what happened to every one of these people. The trauma is the absence of love. It was removed from you, from a wife that walked away or, uh, or a mother that wasn't there for you or someone that took advantage of you and lusted you. Whatever it was, it was an effect of love that was removed from you. And as a result, that's the brokenness that you have. If you can find a way to bring that back in or allow it back in, then, 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 you'll, then you'll find your healing. The healing First and foremost, us American citizens, man, but we have to stop molesting our children. Jeez. We have to stop molesting. We have to get out of this narcissistic state that we're in, this egoic state that we can just molest our future, molest our children's consciousness. How many women, do you know, T, you know how many women I've met in my life that have been molested as, yeah. a, as a child? It's like, do you meet a woman anymore that hasn't been violated in some sense? I'm so Guys, scared to let my daughter go anywhere because it's just. Yeah, I've, I, I've had, I've had dreams um, of it. And I, uh, you know, I'm not there. I, I mean, I, I, uh, when I was in prison, I had a recurring dream over and over again. It was my daughter Talia and she, she was waking up in the middle of the night crying for me and, and I wasn't there. I couldn't, I couldn't come. And so she'd have, have to cry herself to sleep and I didn't know what it was about, but you know, I, I've had the nightmares and uh, you know, I don't know what, what was going on. All I, all I know is that, is it, uh, you know, yeah. one of these days? Trust me, I know them dreams, partner. I, my but, mind uh, delves into some dark spots and, and trust me, there, I know, I know some dreams. There is nothing, there's nothing that, that will affect and hurt a child more than, than an adult not protecting them. It's our duty and our responsibility to protect them. And the moment that, that, that we take away that and we, and we hurt them in any sort of way, I mean, not just a lesson, but when any time an adult hurts a child, that child is affected the rest of their life, you know? I mean, no you know, you want to talk about, you want to talk about this, this mass incarceration or this, this, this massive criminality. We're responsible for this, right? We're responsible for, for this because we're not dealing with our own problems. You know, Amen. I mean, I get hurt. Great. I'm going to go out and I'll, I'll commit crimes or whatever. And then that'll hurt my kids. You know, we're just going to keep on passing it down from generating. I don't want my kids to have to do it. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to deal with my issues. We're going to, we're going to start to fix this, but we don't. If we got to stop hurting them, those children, those are our future. That's, that's the future of our country. That's the future of our, of our posterity. That's the future of our nation. And yeah, we got to quit. We got to quit hurting them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely correct. We have to, we have to get in our communities. We have to stop. I've been putting the message out. We have to stop calling the police into our communities. We have to stop <laughs> calling the police on ourselves. We have to start handling our own business. Our yeah. community leaders need to get up. If you have a dope spot, you know, you, we need a thousand community citizens to get up and rush that dope spot. We yeah. have to find a better way. If, if the dope dealers in your neighborhood are outside entities, right, that are moving in and, and pushing propaganda that way, that's one thing. But if the dope dealers in your neighborhood are just kids trying to survive, don't know how to survive, don't understand the agenda that they're involved in, 
This is yeah. where we have to start teaching our children. Yeah. Bring them in, get them a job, teach them how to fish, yeah. right? Yeah. Don't fish for them. Teach them how to fish. Right. Yeah. This is what we yeah. have to do versus just calling the police in there and just having them come in the communities. Yeah, you know, you I am. Video. You saw the video I put on Facebook with these cops yeah. standing out in front of this house. You know, yeah. we don't know nothing about that house. We don't even the, know if what they're saying is true. The thing is, is that when the cops come in, they don't get the whole story, right? They're going off of half of a story, which means that, that, that it's ultimately going to be wrong. And once they, once they make a decision, make the arrest, it's done. You know, I, I mean, we don't need them to be involved in everything, right? We, just like in our family, I mean, do you, do you, do you outsource for, you know, for communication with your wife? No, man. If you have problems, you go to your wife and talk to her. Why aren't we doing that within our community? Why do we have to say, well, I'm not going to deal with that. It's not someone else's problem. No, man, this is, this is our community. We don't need, we don't need what's going on out here with the, with the law enforcement. We don't need this police because ultimately that leads to the police state and the police state is, is, is where we're at today. I mean, that leads to totalitarianism. That leads to exactly the tyrant that we're experiencing today. And, and, you know, when you start to deal with the state, with the state terrorism, which is what we're dealing with today, it's a, it's a systematic, uh, uh, use of uh, fear in order to bring about a desired result from one organization to another. So when they use fear in order to get us to comply with them, which is exactly what I did for years and years and years under national security, that is the police state. You know, it derives directly from that. And so, you know, when you talk about Nazi Germany or you talk about uh, the Soviet Union and, and when it when it when those were all originated from the police state, we're doing it ourselves right here. We don't need the police to, to govern us. We can govern ourselves. If, if we just have, you know, if we have the maturity to go out and actually deal with it, you know, but, um, well, to, to but so I'm about to, uh, I'm about to post my recommendation for, for what I think the system should be. I've got a recommendation. I've got something that, um, I've got an idea, uh, for, for, for what we should do and what I'm asked, actually going to ask for, for remedy. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe here soon we can do it and I, I can, I can, tell about it on on Thomas radio here but uh uh you know you mentioned instead of giving them a check we we teach them how to fish I mean that that's the key to to all of this here is that is that um you know instead of sending them off to to die let's let's send them off and let's say you know what is it you want to be you know what what God put in your heart to to, to become and uh you know with the money that we're already wasting right now we can put that into a low interest savings account and from that account, we can draw just the interest only, and every single one of those people can go and they can get a, they can get an education. You know, we'll already have the, the facilities set up; they're already built. These prisons are already there, right? Some of the best education that you can get as an American is at the is at the military academies, and those military academies are pretty much prisons. You go there, you don't get to leave. It sucks, but you get a great education. We can do the same thing today, right? Every single year, we spend sixty-five to eighty thousand dollars per person to send them off to a prison to die and it doesn't do anyone any good. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit the taxpayers. It doesn't benefit anyone, right? So we're taking the poor and we're just saying here, go away. It costs $18,000 for one year full tuition at the University of Washington, full tuition, right? So I can send him to four years worth of, worth, of, worth of college for the same price as one year at the low end of send him to prison. That makes sense, right? That benefits the individual. It benefits the taxpayers. And guess what? When they leave there, they have a life and people that have life don't break the law. They don't need drugs, right? We don't need $600 billion that we're wasting every single year on this system. There's something called the Montgomery GI Bill. 
It was what was used for the military, right? How it started was right after the Vietnam War, they took $250 million and put it into a low interest savings account. And from that account only, they're drawing just the interest and that's paying for every single service member to go and get a college education. You get $40,000 when you, when you leave the military. What I'm saying is for the next three years, the $600 billion that we're spending on the system, mm. let's take that, let's put that into low, low interest savings account on year four, we'll start drawing the interest only and let's get all these people in education because when you raise the poor up and give them a life, then the whole country comes up together. That will benefit everyone. Our country can be great and powerful once again, but we can't do that by bringing everybody down. We got to bring everybody up together. And so I'd like to, uh, uh, I, I got an alternative for, for what we can do here. No question. No question. Well, whenever you're ready, we can, um, we can, we can make that the show. I want to do a show again on, on, on Baron versus Baltimore yeah. and give a full description of what that is. Um, yeah. So again, so that the people can truly understand, but what, I mean, we cannot lay out the facts any more clear than what they are. All you have to do is just see for things for what they are and just understand what we're trying to say, you know, is, is stop arguing in the communities, show, show neighborly love, stick together. You know what I mean? If your neighbor's having an issue, let them know that you're there for them. You know, it's just, it's just sticking together. So yeah. Anything else but you got T? We, we just, we need to remember that, just like the Bible says, everyone is a sinner, right? Everyone, even those guys that, that swear that they're not, they're, they're every bit as much, if not more, right? I mean, the reality is, is that everyone is responsible for this, every single one of us. So to hold anyone accountable at this point in time would, would be absurd. Everyone has, has made a mistake. Everyone has gotten us into this, into the situation that we're at today. So as far as I'm concerned, the best thing to do is let's all step to middle ground, you know, let's come to, let's come to the center, you know, it's a compromise between two evils because we got an evil up here that's, that calls itself good. We've got an evil down here that calls itself bad. But you know what? We can start over as a country. We can redo it. It's up to us. We don't have to. It's our we country. We don't have to head down this path of destruction any, anymore. We can change our, our country. It's up to us. Let's yeah. go to the middle ground and let's, let's, let's start over. I'm with you, T. I'm, I'm in the middle ground with you. And again, it's our country to do with it as we will. We can either yeah. give it away or we can preserve it. So it's, you know, but yeah. we just think of everything in your life that you wish you could have back that you can't. And that's, that goes the same with your freedom. So, well, you know what, we can, we can finally put an end to this, this dark chapter in our nation's history. We don't have to continue to suffer, you know, the sins of the past. We don't have to continue to, to dwell upon this slavery issue. We can end it now. We can. Finally. We damn sure end don't it. have to follow the path of Rome. No, no. You know, yeah. they say history repeats itself, but it, it, not in the same fashion, you know? So, well, you know, so Baron versus or uh, uh, Dred Scott versus Sanford, that was the precursor to the Civil War. Baron uh, Dred Scott versus Sanford, it was where a slave was taken right into free country. And he was uh, once he was in the free country, he, uh, he petitioned for his freedom. And the specific question he asked the Supreme Court was, do slaves have the right to sue in federal court for their freedom? Uh, the court came back and said, well, they didn't want to make the decision because they were afraid that it would open up the floodgates for the slaves and let them all go. So they had to figure out a way that they didn't have to respond to this. So to have standing, you have to have two things. You have to be directly impacted by the law and you have to um, be a person, right? So obviously the slave is directly impacted by slave law. Can't get deny that. So they, they had to find a way to make him not a person. In this ruling, what they said was that person and citizen are synonymous with one another. They mean the same thing. And then they said that, that blacks are not and were not intended to be included in the word citizen in the constitution. In other words, blacks are not people, okay? That was their ruling. And as a result of that, they were able to kick out Dred, Dred Scott versus Sanford and say, nope, you need to go back to the state and argue with the state 
about your freedom. Okay. You need to go back to your slave owner and argue with them. When I brought this case forward, okay, history repeated itself here. When I brought this case forward and I wrote, and I wrote the written allegation to the United States District Court, okay, I received, <clears throat> I received back from the court a response that said, that said that, that I need to go back and I need to exhaust state remedies, right? I need to go back and I need to argue with the state before I bring it forward to the, uh, um, to the United States uh, federal court. Well, what happened was, was that I came back with a, um, with a specific uh, statute. It was uh, Title 28, 1343. And what 1343 says is it says <clears throat> that the United States District Court shall have original jurisdiction of any civil action brought by any person. So it has to be a civil action brought by a person, which is what I, I did. I brought the civil action brought by a person. <clears throat> and then I said that um, that particular statute is used to uh, to redress the deprivation of any rights secured by the Constitution under the color of any state statute, ordinance, regulation, providing for equal rights of any person within the jurisdiction of the United States. My point here is, is that I sent that in and I said that no, under Title 28, 1343, the United States District Court has original jurisdiction in this case because I'm a person submitting a civil action. The judge came back to me and it was Judge uh, Fricky. What she said was ordinarily the court would have jurisdiction in that case but state prisoners can't use that statute. Now, what does that mean? It means that they didn't want to make this ruling because they didn't want to let the slaves go. And so what they said was that, was that state prisoners are not a person, okay? Because any civil action brought by any person, they would have jurisdiction, but that particular statute can't be used by state prisoners, can't be used by slaves. We have the exact same thing going on right now. Dred Scott is, is literally just happened, right? We're on the precursor. The yeah. History repeats itself, and and if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we're going to be we're, we're going to be going to civil war. And I don't want that. We don't. Well, have to do this. I just want to go again. I just want to go back and 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 reedify what you were saying about you know black Americans not being being Americans, and we just heard Mitch McConnell say that. We just heard him on the stage say that black Americans, right? Black yeah. Americans are voting at the same rate as Americans. What does that mean? This you just heard Mitch McConnell say this. Again, it's so it, it's we either listen to the truth or we or we justify it. You know, I, I put that on TikTok. Now I got a lot of people coming back on TikTok. Oh, the, the the text is being taken out of context. You know, people justify and make excuses for these people because they're labeled as a Democrat. They're labeled as a Republican and they want to defend their people. And it's just the blind eye that we're turning. Yeah. These people tell you black and white. They tell you out of their yeah. own mouth. Yeah. The division. The thing is, is that when they said slaves are private property protected by the Constitution, and, and then today they say that state prisoners are, are private property protected by the Constitution. You guys, this isn't about race. We, we got it. We got to come to terms with that. Right. I, I'm, I'm white. Right. I, I'm white, and they told me that I have to go back to the state and argue with the state because I'm a slave. It, 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 you know, it, it, this is a this is a fact, right? And and until we come together and we unite, then then we're not we're not going to accomplish anything. 
We cannot, we cannot end this. We cannot get rid of this slave institution until we come to terms with the fact that it is not a race issue. They've been lying to us for so long. We couldn't fix it from, from the Civil War. We couldn't fix it from the 14th Amendment. We couldn't fix it from peonage and conflict leasing. We couldn't fix it from the civil, the civil rights. We couldn't fix it. If we don't do it now and come to terms with it, it's just going to come back. We have to come to terms with the fact that, that what we think it is is not the problem. They're not, they're not fixing it. But we can, as long as we come to terms with what it really is. And what it really is, is just the government against the poor. It's, it's all it is. Right. The reason why there's, there's a higher concentration of, of, um, of um, Black uh, Americans or Hispanics within the prison system is because if you look at it being an economic issue, if you look at it being an economic issue, and you look at just the proportional numbers of, of, um, of the lower um, uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, um, the income levels across the board, you'll see that the percentage is equally the, the same amount. So, you know, our, our lowest uh, um, uh, um, earners in, in the society are going to be the minorities. And as a result, they're going to have a higher concentration if it is, in fact, a, a debt-based system, if it is, in fact, based upon uh, um, income. So, you know, those numbers are they're deceptive and they use those numbers effectively to, to try to confuse us again. But that's all it is, is it, it is still, even those numbers are still in indicative of uh, indicative of a, um, of a debt-based system. So anyway, thank you. Absolutely. T and I'm looking forward to, to more, man. These are, these are heavy conversations. They're much needed. And, and, um, and again, thank you listener for tuning in and, and sharing the sites and, and things of that nature, because, you guys understand how important this is as well. And we need you. This is, this is why Tanawa and I are getting together doing what we're doing to reach the listeners so that you can continue to do what you do. That spreading free me podcast. When you, when you see people just tell them Google free me podcast, you know, all, all links come up. I'm going to be setting uh, Mr. Tanawa up with his own channel. So, um, uh, it's just more networking, getting more people out, getting the word out. So once again, listener, thank you for what you do we love you and this is why we do it so uh until until the next episode god bless thank you god bless man thank you